0: You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 49, airing on August 6th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your leadership skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic, six ways to lead people without a formal title. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stehoviak. I'm coming to you from our studio out here in Orange County, California. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I'm excited to be back with you for our 49th episode, on some great tools that you can use to lead people without a formal title. And if this is the first time that you are joining us, welcome. So glad to have you here as a listener. We air this show every Monday, and my goal is to provide you with tools and resources that will help you to lead more effectively. And this is a question that I get a lot these days, is how do you lead people when you don't have formal authority or position power or the formal title? And really, this gets back to the essence of what leadership is. And if you've been on our website, coachingforleaders.com, you've seen that the way that I define leadership is uh, you know, leaders are people that others want to follow to achieve a shared vision. And so that goes very much beyond just some of the traditional things we think of when we think of leadership. So while certainly it is an aspect of leadership to see a leader with a formal title talking to a room of 200 people and rallying the troops, that is only one small piece of leadership. So much of leadership happens in the informal ways, in the ways that we influence others, in the ways that we reach out and have personal conversations, in the ways we do so without formal authority. And in fact, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I'm a big believer in how to lead people in a way that you don't have to use position power and titles and sanctions in order to get results. Does that stuff work? Sure, it does. That's why people do it. It works, but it doesn't tend to work very well, and it's not generally sustainable. Uh, You know, I shouldn't say it doesn't work very well. It does work very well for leaders, uh, many people in the short term. But it's not something that's sustainable, and even when it does work, it tends to be not the type of thing that is going to really get engagement and uh, loyalty over the long term. And so, Uh, This is a really important topic for us to address, and actually this topic came from a listener comment uh, a couple of months back, and I said, hey, I'm going to absolutely address this topic. And as I started doing some thinking on this, I realized that actually a lot of the leadership I do these days is leadership without a formal title. Uh, You know, I've certainly been in many leadership roles uh, over the last 15, 20 years where I've had a formal title and still do on occasion, but more often than not, I'm working with you know, uh, in a consulting capacity and working on projects with uh, colleagues. Uh, Over the years, I've done some, you know, major account management for organizations like Dale Carnegie, which I've spoke about before. And, uh, you know, really the people I'm leading in that situation more often are the people that are paying us and, uh, you know, people that, you know, that I'm actually uh, been hired by. So I know I've done coaching work and teaching and facilitation and, in very very few situations have I had the opportunity to lead in the last, you know, in the recent past where I have a formal title. So by necessity, I've had to learn just myself on how to lead without a formal title and how to be able to influence the world. So today I have six things that have worked for me. Not only that have worked for me, but six ways you know I've made mistakes in the past too. And I think that these six things will be helpful to you too. If you need to lead without a formal title, and if you're in a leader, a leader in any capacity, you absolutely will need to lead without a title on occasion. And even if you have the title, and even if you have the position power, if you can use these six things to help you get results, I think it's going to help you to be to broaden your perspective as a leader. So as you're listening, if you have things you'd like to add in, these six things are not comprehensive by any means, so I encourage you to add on to the list here. Go to coachingforleaders.com and find the show notes for this episode. This is episode number 49. If you scroll to the bottom, you'll see a place you can add in your suggestions as well. I'd love to hear them. And you can also reach out to me at my office line and our feedback hotline, which is 949 Three eight learn I'd love to hear any questions, comments, or feedback you have. And you can also email me at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So let's get right into this and take a look at these six ways that you can lead people without a formal title. So number one is to find out what's important to people and then help them get it. One of the best ways, I think, to influence people, and I've certainly learned both from good experience and bad experience over the years, is to really take the time to find out what it is that people want. What is it they want out of their careers? What is it that they want personally? And to do whatever you can as a leader in whatever capacity you're leading them to help them to get that, and there's there's kind of four subsets around that that I've utilized whenever I've started work with a new group of people or a team is I've tried to do these four things, and um, and these four things are number one, appreciating the past. So before deciding what should happen in the future, is to take some time to understand what types of accomplishments that people have had in the past. And to understand and really appreciate those. And there's a few reasons for doing that. If you spend some time dialoguing with people you're leading up front and to appreciate what they've done before, you understand better their strengths and what they bring to the table. In addition, it's also great because it reminds people of their accomplishments before, and you don't have to be in a formal leadership role to do this. Um, this can be as simple as walking to a meeting with someone and saying, "You know, tell me about something that you're, you know, you've accomplished in the past that you're really proud of. You know, what types of things have you done in your career in the past? You know, what were some of the past projects you worked on? What what was really a success for you in that role?" Uh, It doesn't have to be anything fancy. So you can really get some good information just by doing that and engaging people in that way. So kind of the second subset on this first one is to understand what's currently going on with that person. So what are they working on? What are the opportunities and obstacles that they have in front of them right now? And again, that doesn't need to be anything fancy, just having some conversation with people, just asking some questions. You know, what are your opportunities in front of you right now? What's top of mind for you? What obstacles do you currently see? And then also to find out, you know, to do some focus on picturing the future. So I love talking to people about what do you think you're gonna be doing in three to five years? You know, what are your professional goals? And uh and I also, you know, challenge when it's appropriate, people to, you know, engage people personally too. You know, what are you planning in your your personal life with your family in the next three to five years? Uh more often than not, there's there's sometimes I shouldn't say uh, you know, sometimes often there's connections of things that they can learn and do professionally that are going to support their personal goals and vice versa. And then finally, identify people's passions. I love to know what gets people out of bed in the morning. What do they get excited about? What do they want to be doing with their time? Um, you know, I know I've had this recent this uh, situation happen recently with someone I'm working with is I made some assumptions about what they were passionate about and it turns out that they really like doing something I had no idea that they enjoyed. I actually was trying to, as a, uh, in a somewhat of a leadership role, I was trying to um, move, steer someone away from doing work that I didn't think they wanted to do. And it turned out they actually really enjoyed that and had a great passion for it. And so if you can uh, dialogue with people about these kind of four things, appreciating the past, understanding the present, picturing the future, and then identifying what they're passionate about, it will help you to find out what's important to them, and then you can work with them to find how how you help them to get it. And in fact, I wrote a uh, longer article on these uh, on this first bullet point here of finding out what's important to people. Uh, in the very recent past, within the last month or so, uh, the article is called Four Ways to Prepare Your Team to See the Future. And you can find that on our coachingforleaders.com website. I'm going to put a link here in the show notes to that article directly, Um, but you can also find it on our website just by clicking. When you go to the website, just click on the button that says read, and you'll see that article there along with a bunch of others. Okay, so the second thing you can do is go out of your way to recognize people. You know, when you don't have formal position power, uh, people you know don't necessarily have to do what you want them to do as a leader and so you really do need to tap into ways that you can really get people's buy-in and there's there's probably very few better ways to do that than to really go out of your way to recognize people in a genuine way now obviously you're not going to recognize someone when they have not done something Uh, well or done something that's contributed to the organization or the project, but I try to look for opportunities to do this all the time. And one way that has worked for me is that I write a lot of thank you notes to people. I probably write one to two thank you notes a week, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but, uh, you know, that's 50 to 100 thank you notes a year. And uh, Bonnie will tell you I fly through thank you notes like crazy. Actually, she does, too. We're always buying tons of boxes of thank you notes. And, uh, you know, if you can do that and really spend the time to um, show people that you do genuinely appreciate them and you appreciate the effort that they've made, That makes a big impact. And I'll tell you, if uh, as big as I am a believer in technology and communicating with technology and email and all these great things we have available to us and podcasting like I can talk to you now, uh, boy, I sure will miss the U.S. Postal Service if it ever does go away and being able to deliver people a handwritten note. There is something about a handwritten note that you just can't duplicate in an email. It shows people that you took the time to think about them, to sit down, to write a note, to put it in the mail, to find a stamp. You know, that takes time to do, but people recognize that and they appreciate that. So if you can do that, it's a wonderful way to recognize people. Uh, The other thing that I also try to do too is I do everything possible to share people's name in a positive way if I'm speaking about them publicly and to Use people's names. Uh, You know, one example of that that I've tried to do just on this show, and if you've listened to this show for any length of time, anytime someone calls in with some feedback or writes an email or even writes a review for our show on iTunes or one of the other services uh, or likes us on Facebook, I always try to, uh, you know, I don't catch everybody, but I always try to record that person's name and then thank them personally on the show, usually at the end of the show here, and to utilize their name to show people that, you know, I do care, I do care that they took the time to reach out to us, to engage with me, to do something to help out us build our show and our community. So if you can go out of your way to recognize people, even if you just did it once or twice a week, you know put it on your task list. Uh, you, everybody knows somebody in their organization, their community, among their clients that is overdue for recognition. And maybe you're not even the person that should be giving them the recognition, but you know what? Sometimes that's okay. It doesn't need to necessarily come from the official party. If the official party isn't doing it, step in and you know write the person a nice note. There's very little damage you're ever going to do by just writing someone a nice note and saying, hey, thanks for all the hard work. I know you haven't gotten a lot of appreciation from the organization or the client or whoever, but I really appreciate it. And here's why. Uh, boy, that goes a long way. Uh, And I'm always, uh, you know, I'm not, as I shouldn't say I'm amazed anymore, but, uh, you know, I'm always pleasantly surprised because people do appreciate getting a genuine note like that. Okay, number three, make decisions for the long run. You know, the business world and the organization world is often focused on what's in it for the short-term and short-term gain. And that is reality in many organizations. Uh, Most organizations have monthly and quarterly goals that they need to hit, uh, certainly annual goals. Uh, We do have to focus on the things that are in front of us and driving results. At the same time, uh, sometimes that drive for short-term results Comes at the expense of what is the right decision for the long run. And, uh, you know, I've had this happen to me and I've been on both sides of the coin here in my career. I have had times where I've made really good decisions for the long run with people I'm influencing and leading. And there's times that I've made poor decisions. Uh, One of the times that I made a poor decision or I've made been a part of a poor decision, uh, I worked for an organization early in my career. That was, um, you know, in the education arena and we sold memberships to parents and kids and, and, uh, and doing some educational training. And we would have inevitably a push every a couple of times a year, uh, one of them was in the summertime, to get as many people signed up for memberships as we possibly could. And it was just sort of one of these inevitable things that whenever you have a big push and you're focusing on tons of sales and trying to get people to sign up for memberships like we were trying to do, is we would end up spending a little bit less time and energy listening to people and really connecting with them, engaging with them, because we were focused so much on getting to the next goal. Is During those times, it was really crazy. And we were focused so much on getting to you know, that months or that weeks or that day's numbers, that we'd sometimes lose sight of the longer-term objective. And I know that there were times I did that. And then inevitably, you know, two to three months later, the people that were sort of part of that big push, the people that would sign up for memberships during that time, would be the people that would be the first people to drop off and then leave their memberships because they never really had as close a connection with us as people that we'd spend more time with when we would make the time to really listen and connect with them. So, you know, short-term thinking can get in our way. And, you know, on on the other side of that, you know, if we can make decisions for the long run, that's going to help us and our organization position ourselves well. And I know it was, uh, uh, I guess, about a year ago or so, I was in a meeting with a number of colleagues and a client, and we were, you know, probably 85 to 90% of the way to um, you know, finalizing a deal to do some training and 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 coaching with this particular client, and it was the first interaction I had had. There was other people that were involved, other partners in the project, and I had you know come into the meeting kind of as the um, subject matter expert in this particular situation. And so we met with the client. We were kind of talking through logistics, and it became painfully obvious to me about halfway through the meeting that what had been set up and the timing for it was completely off. It's not that the what was being proposed was uh, not the right solution. It actually was a very good solution. But the organization was just about to go through a huge transition. And uh, we started talking through what was going to be happening in the organization and how this uh, training process was going to support them. And, oh, it just sounded like such bad timing to me. And I knew that if we went forward with it, although it would be good for our organization in the short term, that in the long run, they would not come back to us, that we wouldn't make enough of an impact because of what was going on in the organization currently. And uh, and I, I guess it was about halfway through the meeting, uh, You know, we stopped and I said, you know, I'm not going to be real popular here in the room, especially with my colleagues, but I really don't think this is the right time for your organization to be um, invested in this. And You know, uh, everyone was really kind to me the rest of the day, (laughs) but I, I didn't get a lot of interaction from some of my colleagues for a few days. I don't think people were super happy with me in the short run. But in the long run, it was the right decision. And the dialogue has continued and the opportunity is still there to serve that organization in the long run. And I know that will be a lot more valuable when the time is right. So, you know, we've all been on both sides of this. So my advice is when you are, in the capacity where you can influence, but you don't have the formal authorities, think about what's the right decision for the long run? Is this something that is really going to, when we look back on this decision two to three years from now, for our business, for our customers, for our clients, for the people we're leading, is this going to be still the right decision? And if the answer to that's not clear, is to really take the time to consider, is this the right decision for the long run? Okay, number four, don't love them and leave them. Boy, uh, you know this kind of goes back to that uh, short term thinking a little bit is you know we uh, a lot of us have this framework again kind of thinking in the short term of you know serving clients organizations people the people we're leading really well and taking good care of them while we need their buy-in while we're uh, while they're in front of us while we need their business and then Once it's done, forgetting about that. And, you know, I've been in the training and coaching business for years, and we are, as an industry, we are uh, bad at this, I think. Uh, You know, I can't tell you how many times that I've seen over the years uh, both organizations I've been involved with, sadly, um, but also uh, organizations I've seen do this, where you know you come in, you do a, a big project, uh, you do a consulting project, training project, and then you leave, and there's not really a lot of follow up. There's not really anything that's added on to, and uh, unless <laughs> the client is wanting to pay more money, but there's not really uh, a lot of um, you know long term. How do we really support people? And and in fairness. Uh, It's hard to do that because, of course, that takes time and that takes money. And so one of the things that you have to be creative about is as a leader and when you don't have the position power and when you can't tell people what to do, um, and I'd, I'd advise even when you can tell people what to do, that's not the best way to start, is how do you get creative in being able to invest in people in the long run even when it's not always cost effective to do that? And two ways that I've been privileged to be a part of that I think have worked really, really well is I've been really privileged to work with a client over the years that uh, engaged. Actually, they came up with the idea. They had said, you know, we're trying to start a a group of people, uh, what they call a community of practice, to um, get people together who've been through classes with uh, your organization And have them meet once a month for a lunch meeting uh, and have it be an ongoing thing and talk about what it is they've learned and how they're continually using what it is that uh, they've learned in your classes. And would you guys be willing to come in and present once in a while and to remind people of what it is they learned? And, you know, I was I was like. Sure. You know, absolutely. I mean, it's great for us anytime we're in front of people and we continue to keep relationships going. But what's really been neat about that over the last few years as we've been involved with that is that uh, it's great to see people continually learning and passionate about what we've taught them in the past. And so that's that's a great way that, you know, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a time investment for our organization, but it's a wonderful way to give back to what it is that the uh, what it is that people have learned before, and then you know another way is this podcast. you know one of the reasons that uh, you know our organization uh, innovate Learning decided to start a coaching for leaders podcast is you know we we just can't possibly call and keep up with all the people that we've worked with over the years and do that on a regular basis so uh, we we try to do that. We certainly try to keep connected with as many people as we can, but logistically and realistically, we're not going to make phone calls every week or every month to people and check in and see how they're doing and continue to support them. It wouldn't make sense for us from a time standpoint, and you know, a lot of people may not necessarily want that, but this podcast is a great tool for people who want to stay engaged with us, who want to stay engaged with me, with Bonnie. To continue to learn, to continue to grow, and to continue to stay connected, and it's it's a great thing for us. It's a great thing for them. You know, don't love people and leave them. Find a way for them to continue to get value. Find a way as a leader to continue to invest in people, uh, even if it's something like a note or a little podcast or just a check in once in a while. If you can do that, you are a, just a Tremendous step ahead of what most people think about in leading and connecting back with others. Okay, number five, engage your opponents. Now, I say engage your opponents because if you don't have the formal position authority, you are not going to be able to tell your opponents to what to do, which is something that you do have the uh, the luxury of when you have the position power. As if someone doesn't agree with you and you are the leader, you can sometimes say, "This is the way we're going to do it." Uh, this is not a democracy, and there are certainly leadership situations and uh, and and uh, opportunities where it makes sense for that to be the way things play out. Uh, that said. When you don't have that position power, you really do need to engage your opponents. And you're going to have op- opponents. If you're doing anything in the world that matters and makes a difference to people and is valuable to people, there's going to be people with different opinions on it out there. I assure you. I run into people all the time that have different opinions than I do. I'm sure you do as well. And so if you can engage your opponents, doesn't mean you need to agree with them, but if you engage people and take the time to listen, Uh, you're much more likely to be able to make traction in influencing. One example of this that happened to me a number of years ago is uh, we were working with an organization. This was um, in my capacity of doing some work for Dale Carnegie. I was facilitating some classes for Dale Carnegie uh, with a client. And then there was, uh, at that same client, there was a group of folks who were involved in a Toastmasters club. And I've been a big fan of Toastmasters for years. I've referred many people to Toastmasters. In fact, I was a Toastmaster myself for, oh gosh, about five years. So and in fact, that's what got me started in kind of the training education world. So I'm very grateful to Toastmasters. I think it's a wonderful organization and I uh, something you should check out, by the way, if you're wanting to get more practice speaking and communicating. Um, but something interesting happened with this organization we were working with is there was a group of employees that kind of got really excited about the Dale Carnegie programs. And then there was a whole group of employees that were really excited about Toastmasters. And there started to be a little bit of this, um, uh, you know, kind of competition between the two. And I really didn't understand it because it wasn't cert- certainly not anything that we were trying to create. Um, but there were people that said, oh, you know, Toastmasters is good. Dale Carnegie isn't. And there were people that said, oh, Dale Carnegie's great. Toastmasters isn't. And I was really perplexed by this because I was thinking, you know, both of these organizations do really similar things. It's not like we're trying to compete with each other. Um, And in fact, they're both very, very different organizations. You know, one's a, you know, a a business organization and sells, you know, business training and one's more of a volunteer organization and a nonprofit. And so um, it's just so happened that I was very good personal friends with the person who was the president of that Toastmasters Club and that organization. And, you know, both of us were sort of amused by this because we couldn't understand why people were having this, uh, you know, this back and forth. And so we, you know, we sat down and and one day I just kind of came up with this idea, you know, why don't we do whatever we can to support each other? And so what we decided to do is anytime people would finish some of the Dale Carnegie classes, we would get them to uh, we would suggest that they actually go over to Toastmasters and continue to practice their pe- speaking skills. And so we started sending uh, people who had finished uh, the Dale Carnegie classes over to Toastmasters. And then inevitably, people at Toastmasters started hearing about it, and they would come over and take some of the Dale Carnegie classes. And, uh, and then I ended up starting to get invited to speak over at the Toastmasters club. And all of a sudden, we had this great relationship between both organizations, and it was never an issue after that. And so... You know, I I realize that it that's maybe an oversimplification of this. I know things don't always go that smoothly with opponents. It doesn't always end that beautifully. But one thing you can absolutely do is to take the time to listen to people who disagree with you. You don't have to agree with them, but at least understand where they're coming from. I know I've had many times in my career where at least if I took the time to acknowledge what an opponent or someone who didn't agree with me had said— And said, you know, here's how I see it differently, but here's my understanding of what this person is saying and where they're coming from. You know, people may not have agreed with me, but uh, more often than not, they were appreciative at least of the fact that I took the time to help them to, uh, you know, help to understand their point of view. And then finally, number six, not finally necessarily, but the sixth thing that I have on my list is have a sense of humor. Boy, a sense of humor goes a long way in being able to influence people and taking your work seriously but not taking yourself too seriously. And, uh, you know, one example of this uh, that happened to me and I, I just continue to hear about over the last couple of years, I, I guess it was about two years ago. Um, I don't know how this started off, but I I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Chicago area. And every Groundhog Day, uh, you know, I'd always, when I was a kid, uh my dad would you know always you know check the papers with us and we'd see if the groundhog saw his his uh, his shadow Uh, by the way for those of you who are listening abroad we have this crazy holiday in the united states called groundhog day there was actually a movie that was uh produced sort of loosely based around groundhog day um if you really want to know about it go ahead and type it in wikipedia just uh or google groundhog day and you'll uh, know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so uh, I, I've just always been amused by the holiday. I think it's fun. I always tracked it as a kid. Uh, when I moved to California, nobody in the state of California cares about Groundhog Day. It's just not something that people have any traction of over here. So I got this uh, just funny idea uh, a couple of years ago that coming up for Groundhog Day, I was going to make it a big thing. And so I ordered a whole um, kind of a crate, <laughs> whole box of little stuffed groundhogs. And I uh, went over to one of my clients, uh, one Uh, on Groundhog Day and uh, said, you know, I'm setting up a Groundhog Day walk and talk. And so we went out on a huge walk around the uh, campus that day at that client. And I said, I'm going to talk about Groundhog Day and teach you all about Groundhog Day. And we had a whole group of people that went out and I brought little groundhogs for everyone. And, uh, you know, just had a kind of a fun time with it and didn't think much of it at the time. But let me tell you, I have heard more about that silly Groundhog Day walk And those little groundhogs I bought for people uh, over the last two years than I ever thought I would. Every time I go to people's desks (laughs) who were around that day, they've got those little groundhogs all over the place. It's the most hilarious thing. And, you know, it was just done out of fun and having a sense of humor and you know there was no business <laughs> there was no business goal behind it the whole goal was just to have a good time to do something out of the ordinary and then just to have fun with it and so i I'd, I'd advise you if you're really trying to lead people and partner with people is to find things that are going to be fun have a sense of humor take yourself lightly if you can do that you're a long way long on being able to influence the world in a positive way. So those are my six. Now, there's probably 40 more that I don't have time to talk about today and haven't even had a chance to think about. So I want you to hop onto the website, coachingforleaders.com. Again, this is episode 49. Find the show notes. Add to the conversation or call me and leave me a voicemail or talk to me live, 949-38-LEARN. I'd love to hear your ideas on how you influence people when you've been in positions where you haven't had formal authority. Or again, you can email me feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Now, before I let you go this week, three things I wanted to mention and just to get you up to speed on as far as community news. Uh, First of all, uh, if you've listened to this show, you know I'm a huge fan of podcasts, not just because (laughs) this is a podcast, but because I love to learn by listening to podcasts from other people and other organizations. And you've heard me talk about other shows on this show before that I recommend for our listeners. And I wanted folks to know that if you are an iPhone user or an iPad user, uh, Apple has actually just come out with a new application where you can listen to podcasts on your iPhone and iPad, which you can do now. But a lot of times you have to connect into iTunes in order to sync, and it's kind of a pain to have to do that. But if you want to, if you like listening to podcasts, and chances are you listen to more shows than this, I certainly hope you do because there's lots of great shows that are out there. um, You can now download, Apple has just released a free application on the iTunes store. You can download it. It's called Podcasts. So just do a search for podcasts on uh, on the app store, and you can download the application called Podcasts. And you can download and sync and listen to podcasts right there, and you can sync it between devices. So if you start listening on your iPhone, you can sync it over to your iPad. I thought I'd just let you know about that. For those of you who are uh, iPhone or iPad users, you might want to check into that because it's a great way to not only listen to this show, but also to listen to other podcasts. And, of course, you can find this show by just doing a search on the catalog there for coaching for leaders, and if you hit subscribe, you'll continue to get all the episodes that we have coming up every week. And uh, secondly, I wanted to say a thank you to Javier Garza. I had uh, coffee with Javier just this past week. He's one of our listeners and uh, happens to live locally here, and so we got together for coffee. Had a great conversation. Uh, by the way, that uh, that you know, a side note here: if you are in the Southern California area here in the U.S. and uh, uh, want to get together, you know, send me an email. I'd love to connect with you sometime uh, if I'm in your area. And if you're ever out here visiting Southern California, love to connect with you as well. Um, but uh, coming back to my conversation with him, uh, he, uh, he said, you know, I'd love to hear an episode of you and maybe Bonnie talking about what leadership lessons you've learned from being a parent. And so i was been thinking about that for the last week, and I was thinking, what a neat idea for an episode. And it turns out that next week is our 50th episode, and also it's the one-year anniversary of Coaching for Leaders. So it's a pretty exciting uh, week next week for us here at the show. And uh, ironically, it also, uh, just these past few days, it's the uh, six-month half-birthday here for Luke. And so I thought it was a good time to talk about the leadership lessons of being a parent for this past six months. And so Bonnie and I are actually going to get together on episode number 50 next week and talk about what leadership lessons we've learned. So I think that's going to be a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, it's a little more um, on the personal side of what we normally do. But uh, I know that there's a lot that I've learned personally that helps me in my work. And there's always a lot of things that I'm learning professionally too that helps inform what I do personally. So I hope that you will join us for that show and help us to celebrate our one year anniversary for this show and to give. Uh, to really take an opportunity to thank you for being a listener. And by the way, if anyone out there has listened to all 49 episodes, if you've been with me since the very first episode that we aired last August 20th, 2011, I would love to hear from you and find out who out there has been listening all along. So if that is you, send me an email Feedback at coachingforleaders.com, and we'd love to recognize you on next week's show. And thank you for listening all along, if you have. And then finally this week, some news in the leadership world, uh, some sad news, actually. Uh, You know, it happened a couple weeks ago, and I failed to mention it. I should have mentioned it sooner, but you may have seen in the news that Stephen Covey, who's the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, passed away last month. And, uh, you know, I you've probably heard me recommend Stephen Covey's book before, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is one of the very first books that I ever read on leadership and how to better ourselves in order to, you know, better lead and influence others. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, you know, a sad milestone to have lost him. Uh, he's someone that for any of us who are in this field, any of us as as leaders, has really influenced so many people. And if he hasn't influenced you, I guarantee you he's influenced someone in your circle of influence. And so um, my challenge to you to this week is, in addition to remembering him, is if you haven't ever read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I would challenge you to go out, pick up that book. Give it a read in the next week, and I think that you'll find that uh, his legacy of what he wrote and how he put it together will be of great benefit to you as well. Hey, the link for the show notes is on our website. You can find that at coachingforleaders.com. And this is episode 49. As I mentioned earlier, this show airs every Monday, and so glad to be with you again this week for another episode. And just a reminder, wherever you are in the world, whatever is on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everyone. Have a great week and look forward to joining you for our one-year anniversary show next Monday. Take care.